Hello and welcome back to Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week we're going to the island of my birth. No, <laughs> not really. We're going to Amity Island though uh, with Jaws from 1975, directed by one Steven Spielberg and written by Peter Benchley. Uh, did he write the screenplay too? No, he didn't. Um, everyone wrote the screenplay apparently. Every, everyone wrote the screenplay. Screenplay by everyone. And this is, well, until Star Wars came out, the highest grossing film of all time, when it was born. And it spawned several sequels, none of which I've seen. And we watched it yesterday, and it's pretty good, guys. So this is the first time you've seen it? I think I probably saw it all the way through, like once before. Mm -hmm. Maybe in my teenagers. I have no recollection. But it feels like I should have probably seen it by now, so I presume that I did, but... For all intents and purposes, I watched it for the first time yesterday. What about you? Did you see it when you were six? I didn't see it when I was six. Uh, we didn't go to the movies back then. That's right. So that's where I the waited, devil was. Waited, 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 waited for it to show up on television, and it was a big deal when it finally did uh, appear. It was, I think, almost three hours altogether with all the commercial breaks. Yeah, it feels right. It's and, very long. Um, it's like two o four as is. It was. A revelation watching it this time. Yeah. Because we saw it in the proper aspect ratio. Yeah, that's true. It and, wasn't just the square. Right. It wasn't the square that television used to be. And a lot of scenes were left in. And a lot of language was left in. So I feel like I really was seeing the film for the first time. Because uh, my memories of it were from seeing it years and years and years, decades ago. Decades. And I don't know that I'd seen it much since. Nice. So this movie... But as I said, it was made in 1975. As I said, it made so much money. The budget of this film is $9 million. Unsurprising when you see the shark. And the box office for this movie was $476.5 million. That is a hell of a multiplier. Is that 50x? Yeah, that's why Steven Spielberg gets to do whatever he wants now, because this movie made all of the money. How old was Spielberg at this point? He was in his early 20s. Wow. He had, real... did, um, he had done a couple of episodes of Night Gallery, I think. Um, he had done an episode of Columbo. He'd done television. And then he did. An episode a, of Columbo, though, is a whole movie. Right. He did a, a movie of the week called Duel, which was a big deal when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, based on that, he was granted this property to work on. Okay. Which was also a best-selling book at the time. Right. By Peter Benchley. Right. Who's in the movie. Who's in the movie as a television reporter. Which was pretty funny. And apparently, due to his lack of experience, uh, he had no end of problems. The making of this film is legendary. Yeah. The shark's name is Bruce. And he looks weird most of the time. But sometimes he does cool shark uh, underwater shots that work really good. Uh, I have somewhere in, in this library behind me a uh, Cinefix magazine article on the guys who designed the shark for Jaws. Yeah. And they're surprised that any of that footage was used at all because as a whole, it was designed originally for freshwater in a freshwater tank and then it went out to the salt water and promptly exploded. It like fell apart, right? Yeah. Like it dissolved? Because salt water and freshwater are different. That's why you right. can't have freshwater fish in salt water and vice versa. And the model that you saw when you went to Universal Studios, for instance, for a while, yeah. was there, was not the same, was not 
Of no, the, it wasn't that one. Right, because the there was an underwater sled shark that just got dragged behind another boat. Right. There was the shark that, you know, at the end of the film, um, for those of you who haven't seen this movie, uh, leaps on the boat itself, and that's probably yeah. the least convincing of all no, the No, but when it comes from the window, it's pretty good. Yeah. That was the one that you said, that's probably the way it right. best looking at it. The actual best look, well, should we go over the plot? Yeah, let's talk about this movie. It takes mm-hmm. place on Amity Island, and... There's a smart police chief and a dumb mayor. The blueprint for every single movie in this genre, because it formed its own genre. There was killer shark yeah. movies. There was nature gone wild movies. Sci-fi. Right. All of sci-fi's original films. And it was always, oh, there's a, a town celebration that has yes, to be right. had. There's the, the mayor who doesn't want, to, uh, doesn't want to shut down the beaches or the ski slopes or the, you know, the, the desert festival or whatever. And then, you know, the, the crusty veteran who comes in to help. Man, he quit got short fucking shrift in yeah. this movie. We start right off, just mm-hmm. the first scene, opening, fucking cold open, dead girl, shark, right. probably. And the effect that scares me the most, I think, well, mm-hmm. a sinking boat, but we'll get into that later. I had a problem with Titanic. I didn't have less of a problem with this one. When you see the top of a person up higher in the water than they should be, just moving with, like, just smooth moving right. across the water where clearly they are being dragged by something under the water that has them, that's strong enough to have lifted them out of the water. Like, it is very scary to me. And that is how the movie opens. And I was like, great. The opening is iconic. It was what was used to sell the film, the poster. Naked Girl. Big phallic-looking shark coming up from the... Right there, yeah. yeah. Oh, underneath the... That's right. right. She's That's right. She's not naked in the... In the poster she was. Oh, in the poster. Here and we go. Let me take a look. It's, she's actually... In the film, It's she's supposed to have addressed completely and uh, started swimming, but it's so dark because it happens. There's a... Uh, she's going to... There's some young man who's a little bit drunk and he thinks he's going to get hooked up on the beach. He chases her, and he's far too drunk and just and collapses. And he yells the phrase in this voice, right. I can swim! And I'm right. like, nobody who yells that in that tone can swim. So she <laughs> runs out to the ocean, stripping off all of her clothes. He can't get his pants off, so he just falls asleep on the beach. Good uh, job. Got and then that's when she's devoured by this shark. Nom, nom, nom. Yeah, she just disappears. Mm-hmm. Uh, does she ever wash up? Does she wash up right She now? does. Okay. You, you kind remember. of see a little... We, you see oh, her arm. You see her arm. That's right. She is being. Um, that's right. They, and they want to. Mm-hmm. That's that's the sort of first tick. Is there's a dead girl. The medical examiner says shark, but then the mayor says not shark, and the medical examiner goes, "Yeah, no, of course it's boat waters." And then later we find out, right. of course, it's shark. But also we knew that because we saw her get et sort of. So we have the ever put upon police chief who has one employee, <laughs> uh, Scheider, who's looked like an old man forever. Not like, mm-hmm. not like he doesn't look old. He looks worn. He, I want to think that this is his, the same character he played from, because he's playing a, a, a cop who's moved from New York to right. Amity, this yeah. island. That, and his idea is it's never had a murder ever. Right. There's almost no crime on this island. Yep, I'm just I'm going to be chilling. here with my wife and my two kids. And you know that that's a strong draw when he's afraid of the water right. and he lives on an island. Which is kind of a running joke that, yeah. that works pretty well. Yeah. 
because I want to think it's the same character that he played in um, The French Connection. Right. It's like yeah. the same New York he's cop like, is now retired. <laughs> and he's now living. And he does a great job of also, he's funny. He's very funny. In this film. He and is. He also plays kind of an everyman. He's the guy from the city. He is. Who's there. Who but has, also like the voice, the one right. voice of reason. Because even when you think Dreyfus's character is a voice of reason, oh, no, he not. is not. We know Quint isn't reasonable, and the mayor also is not. So you're just like, and his wife is reasonable, and they're very cute together. And um, his kids, like, too. He plays with his kids. Like, right. he clear, like <laughs> when we watched uh, Close Encounters, right? Uh-huh. Also Spielberg, right? Right. And I'm just like, this dad could give two shits about his family. He doesn't care about these people at all. And I know that, yes, he's under a thrall, but I'm pretty sure pre-thrall, he didn't give a fuck about these people anyways. This is a family that, like, loves each other. And the kids are super cute, especially the little one. So cute. Well, he was, um, (laughs) he was, the part was originally offered to Robert Duvall. Um, The Brody part? Right. Chief Brody. And Charlton Heston was interested. And Steven Spielberg was very flattered, but he said that Charlton Heston <laughs> brings Charlton Heston yeah. energy yep. to a movie. Charlton so. Heston is, has, and maybe has always been mm-hmm. what Al Pacino and Christopher Walken is right. now. You're hiring the chin and the teeth. Right, but more than that, he's like, you're bringing, and that's unfortunate for Mr. Heston, you're bringing all. You're bringing Moses and Ben Hur and all these other parts yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he can't. He he had the same issue that uh, when we discussed Christopher Lee, you can't play an ordinary person. You're too tall. You're too grand. You you have a big voice. You're not going to be you know Orson Welles. Yeah. He's not going to play a janitor. He can play Macbeth, but he can't play a janitor. So. As much as Spielberg admired Heston's work, he's like, yeah, you're going you're gonna... to... Did they ever work together? I don't think they did. did no, they? I don't no. think they did. But it was a question of, you're, you're too big for this film. I don't know those two people would have gotten along. Uh, so, Brody is like, there's definitely a shark and we need to close the beaches. And the mayor in the And he knows ugly... this from the beginning. Yeah, he knows this yeah. from, from Go. And then the mayor, who wears nothing but terrible tacky clothes and is basically a used car salesman... It's like, no, we're not closing because all of our money comes from the 4th of July weekend, so we need to have people... Like, it's the opening of summer, which is wild, and it's like, the summer is the season, and I'm just like, your long-term vision is non-existent, because if you have people dying on your beach, you're not only going to lose this summer, you're going to lose every fucking summer. Like, if you just close for a week, and then clear your problem and then let people back in you might still be a tourist destination but uh you did done fuck that up that island is going to go just right to hell now (laughs) like hopefully they ramp up the fishing because it it's not it's not well the industries on this island seem to operate just for the island and the tourism is i mean it's self-sustaining in that respect but the tourism all the local stores selling to people coming from yeah well, other parts of the yeah. So there's the state. several businesses that mm-hmm. would close, right? Um, and that might extend to all but one so, of the restaurants. Like or Alien, the the villain here, the real villain is capitalism. Capitalism, right? As per usual, it's literally in everything. It's all the villains. So, and he's Martin Brody. I don't like the name Martin. Like he doesn't seem like a Martin to me. Chief Brody 
is a new hire too, so he doesn't mm-hmm. have a lot of pull in the town. And so with the pressure of the mayor and the medical examiner, they leave the beach open, mm-hmm. and then a little boy gets killed. And it's clearly by a shark. Mm-hmm. And then... And that was, I think, one of the more effective uses of the shark. Yeah. When it uh, gets the little boy, because it's done it in such a way that you just see the fins rolling in the water. Yeah. And then, yeah. Although we do have another victim that we don't acknowledge much, which is a dog. Yeah, that's right. And I was like, they're going to kill that fucking dog. And uh, then they totally did. I had a, a friend who, she will not watch a movie where a dog dies. There's there's websites too. Yes, and she does that. She subscribes to that. And um, I was, she's like, is the movie worth watching? I'm like, well, you know, there's a dog who dies off screen. You don't see him. You don't. Die. You see the dog. And the dog you know, they're playing fetch. Don't. He's playing fetch with his master. And then the dog runs out to the water and then just doesn't come back. And you so. just don't. That's the end of seeing yeah. the dog. Yeah, there's no... There's no dead dog, mm-hmm. uh, but that's a really good scene where the boy, little boy dies, specifically because Brody is sitting on the beach with his family, mm-hmm. fucking nervous, mm-hmm. like, please don't let the kids go into the water. Uh, his oldest one wants to row, they have this little boat, mm-hmm. this little sailboaty thing, and he's like, please go into the pond, which is what they call the estuary, and I'm like... But that's still attached to the ocean, though. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, that this that scene works really well because you have one guy who knows what's up, and everyone yeah. else is like, "No, it, it's not. It's not that." Mm-hmm. Because they believe a dipshit, and then they the little boy is killed, and mm-hmm. his oldest son is almost drowns. Right, but he's okay. He he ends up living. And then they lose the little one, too, for a little while, but they well, find him. Yeah, so He's this got two is, little kids. He calls uh, for help. Yeah. When the second murder occurs, or this murder. Yeah. When the, the second victim, or, you know, third, depending it's, on if you're counting the dog. We're counting the dog. Uh, is devoured in front of everyone. Yeah. And uh, there's a whole crowd that sees it now. So that's where... Well, there's a first there's a town meeting mm-hmm. where we meet Quint for the first time, mm-hmm. who is a Salty pirate. dog. He is a salty <laughs> dog. He is an Irishman, mm-hmm. who we found out later is on the USS Indianapolis. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and he is a sharker. Mm-hmm. He kills sharks. That's right. like his whole deal. And he's like, give me three grand and I'll kill the shark for you. And they're like, oh, no, they're, no. They're promising three grand. The oh, mom of the kid. The bounty is three grand. He 10 wants grand. ten. That's right. Right. And no interference from anybody. That's right. Oh, that's right. And at the same time, and they're like, the town is like, we're not doing that, which is insane. But at the same time, yeah, Brody calls an oceanographer. Mm-hmm. Matt Hooper. That's Richard Dreyfus. He's so he's so fuzzy and he's so young that his right. voice doesn't even sound like Richard Dreyfus's voice, which is to me his most dif- distinctive feature. He's one of those people where if I hear him, I'll be like, "That's Richard Dreyfus." But in this, he did not. He just sounded like a kid almost, very young. Well, and here's the interesting part in the book: Matt Hooper is some young hotshot stud who winds up sleeping with Hooper with uh, Brody's wife. That would have been terrible. And Spielberg felt rightly that that would have ruined the um, the camaraderie that he wanted yeah. to establish, and that really does happen between the characters. Yeah, at the, the end three of the film. men. Yeah. Um, 
But to give you an idea of what Hooper is supposed to look like and yeah. why Dreyfus was against, the original casting was John Voight. Remember Midnight Cowboy era yeah. John Voight, Timothy Bottoms, Jan Michael Vincent, and Jeff Bridges. So handsome boys. Big, tall, good-looking. But also very young, like right. baby-faced, but hot, I guess. I don't, I don't like John Voight like, as a person, so... But I, I mean, you remember that like, sort of glamour look that he right. had in Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. And also Jeff Bridges, who is a big, tall, good-looking, broad-shouldered guy. makes more sense for what he's doing. Like, I mm-hmm. like this casting a lot. Right. Um, even though he's also like a fucking nutball now. But that's well, fine. Everybody is, seems like. He comes in and looks at the body. Yeah, he looks at the body and he's like, yeah, this is a shark attack. Right. And we see her arm and it just has that that semicircle removed <laughs> from it that you see. And uh, at this point, too, Brody is like doing deep dive research. He's basically like stress Googling, but mm. with books. Right. <laughs> Just looking through like shark Back attack Before books. we had Google, we had libraries. Yes. And he, <laughs> he has checked out all of the books on sharks and is looking at all of the images of survivors. I just probably checking out books on the mainland. You know, he's, he's gone beyond the local library at this point. Oh, I bet the local library has some books on sharks. They're but on I an mean, island. He has like stacks of books too. They catch... A tiger shark. There's mm-hmm. a, they put a bounty on the shark, and then mm-hmm. all of these. And they're not going to pay the ten thousand dollars. So now everyone's out for the three thousand dollars, and they are in speedboats shooting into the water, throwing sticks of dynamite they're into the water. They're clearly drunk. Like right. it's a mess, and they catch a tiger shark. Mm-hmm. They bring it up. It's a good size shark. It's you know right. twelve feet probably. Um, they have it hanging up, and they take a bunch of pictures, and they're like, "We killed the shark." And Hooper is like measuring the shark's mouth, and then he's also like. We should just cut it open. They don't digest very fast. Everything mm-hmm. he's eaten in the last 24 hours will be in there. Right. So we got to do that. And the mayor is like, well, we're not going to cut it open and, and have this kid spill onto the dock. And I'm like, nobody said do it here. Fuck. You've got a medical examiner's right. office. like, Or just as they wind up doing it in a warehouse, else. don't, yeah. don't. Nobody said, hey, right. let me just eviscerate this thing while it's hanging here in front of the town. Yeah. But he does end up doing it, and guess what? There's no little boy in there. There's fish and uh, license plate. also a license plate and a can. Yeah. Like a paint can? <laughs> yeah. And he says there's a great white shark. And I don't think... Now we know what a great white shark is, probably mm-hmm. largely because of this movie. Right? right, exactly. So at this time, people don't know what a great white shark is. They're like, it's a, it's a bigger shark. Right. <laughs> like, we don't know... So the fact that they actually get airborne at times yeah. and that they're kind of... Brighter than we thought they were. This film represents a very intelligent cartilaginous fish, yeah. mind you. The shark is very We clever. had a fight over whether sharks were fish, and I Googled it, and you guys, sharks are fish. <laughs> I don't know what I thought they were. I know they're not mammals. They're like ducks without feathers. I don't know. They're not a bird either. I don't know what I thought it was. Anyways, it's a fish. So they go out because we had um, we had a local fisherman going out, like not drunk and whatever, mm-hmm. he was, and he was doing a search. I think it was uh, two guys on the boat, but we mm-hmm. only see one. And they go out to find him. And they do find him. And there's like, they can see holes in the boat, and the boat is listing. Right, and right? they're going in a boat that Matt Hooper's very wealthy family is. That's paid right, for. because he is independently wealthy. We don't know how. Because, mm-hmm. uh, well, he, he comes from money. Yeah, at he one says point, he's rich. Uh, Brody asks him, are you? How rich are you? He goes, what, me or my family? Yeah, is, yeah. 
personally or family money, mm-hmm. I think is yeah. And and because he starts with who pays you? That like it doesn't make any right. sense for people to pay you to just because he's about to go on an eighteen month graphic. I don't know. I when he said what it was called, I was like, are you going to Antarctica or like you know down where Darwin went, the Galapagos? But I don't remember what he actually said. But yeah, Brody is like, nobody pays you to do this. And he's like, no, that would be ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, he's, which is why he's, I think, so uh, dumb about mm-hmm. some of his decisions. Speaking of which, he does a very dumb thing here. Yeah, so he's like, let me just get in the water. And Brody's like, uh, that boat has clearly this, been attacked by a shark. This is a level, the boat is sinking. It's a level of, of stupidity that uh, was worthy of Roger, Roger Thornhill, I think, from our last yeah. film. Yeah. Where it's like, why are, why are you making such a terrible decision? Getting in the water. No, I'm going to get into a wetsuit. I don't have a tank with me. And just my mask. And I'm going to jump in the water and, and see. And he wanted to see what was going on at the bottom of the boat. Mm-hmm. He wanted to see if there was damage under there. And right. guess what, guys? There's a big hole and a dead body. with a, He doesn't have an eye. Well, it seems to just be a head. <sighs> Oh, Actually. I thought it was the whole body that like floated, like at least the top of his. The body. only part that comes out of, the, and that's it's it's a, <laughs> it is a that moment is like kind of a cheap shock, you know, moment really. Yeah, it's it's played, and then we get like two shots of this head. Oh, I guess it is just a severed head. Yeah. yeah. Um. He first he finds a really big tooth. Right. And then the head scares him, and he drops the tooth. Good job. So they try and go back and say, you guys have to close this beach. Like, it's 4th of July. There are so many people coming, and they're going to die. People are going to die. And the mayor's like, well, where's this tooth you're talking about? He's like, uh, there was an accident. He says, we're leaving the beach open. Do whatever you need to to make it safe. Right. And what he does is get a whole bunch of boats on the outside of the harbor and planes flying over to see to make well, yeah, sure. Yeah, he gets that all sorts of go- boats. They seem to have almost like, like a, a buoys and yeah, nets, right. Yeah, like so that they're setting it up so that if a shark comes in, they have some early warning, not realizing that, as you pointed out, the estuary leads directly to yeah. the sea. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess that's this. That's mm-hmm. yeah. It was this part where his kid goes over there and and gets. Right, and he tells him, yeah. go over there. Go over there. He goes, can you go on the pond? And they're like, the pond is for old ladies. And he's like, I know. Do it for the old man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. Well, the rest of the actual professional oceanographers are distracted by two uh, preteen boys and a cardboard fin. Uh, yeah, which. God and there's a neat moment where they sort of come out of the water and realize there's a bunch of guys with guns with pointing guns directly pointing at, at them. Yeah. The thing that's crazy to me uh, about this scene, it's the 4th of July, there's a ton of people on the beach. Mm-hmm. All of the people have come, they are all on the beach. They are not in the water, because that shit is nerve-wracking, because there are people with guns all right. around, and, you know, little seaplanes doing flyovers. Like, And the mayor gets somebody, like one of the townspeople. He people. one of the locals. Oh, it's Harry, isn't it? Uh, I of think some it's bad hat Harry uh, get into the water so that to like get everybody else into the water and yeah. my question is why does he need to pe- get people does he get a monetary bonus if somebody goes swimming uh, like they're there his, they his whole the defense beach. and he says this later is um, or no he says it earlier 
is that if they don't come here, they're going to go to Long Island. They're going to go to I understand that Maine. They're going to go to all the other beaches around them. I don't know. Um, yeah, I to me, it's it's if you're having fun on the beach and your Just, whole purpose is to sit there and get a suntan, there's no reason to go in the water. There's no reason. Give me a popsicle and I'm hanging out. Right. I get sanded all my shit. It's fine. I don't need to be in the water. But he's like, no, people have to go in the water. I'm just like, why? So people go in the water. And the thing that sucks is you see that first family going out with their kids. Mm-hmm. Just And she looks so fucking nervous. She's right. just like, I don't want to be out here at all. Uh, but then, yeah, there's the the fake fin mm-hmm. and the hullabaloo that it causes. And then you hear a young woman screaming, shark in the... Shark in the pond, shark in the pond, there's a shark in the estuary. And I was like, it is an estuary. Because I'm like, they're on an island. Right. The beach is right there. That's not a different body of water. That's the same body of water. I was right, turns out. And there is a shark in the estuary, and it kills a boater, and it almost kills his kid because there's a kerfuffle, not because There's the... not much room to move in that pond. It's yeah. awfully small. And then, then Brody... Basically, finally goes, hey, hey, mayor, fucking hire Quint. This mm-hmm. is this is three. That's three. That's you can't. Right. And also, it was a death on Fourth of July, so your town is fucked anyway. Everyone in the world saw what happened. Yep. And this is the well. We know that. Well, okay. So, going back a bit, yeah. The mother of the little kid who got killed. Oh yeah. Comes up on the deck, uh, when the tiger shark is caught, walks up. And smacks the hell out of... I yeah. mean, like, a Will Smith smacks the hell Sma- out of <laughs> Sheriff Brody. Yeah. And says, I, you knew. Right. And she, he, he and did. And like, I did. Now, the problem and I is, tried. Well, the mayor is right there. That's the person you should yeah, smack the hell out of. Yeah, I don't know. If out. I'm fucking Brody, I may just turn around and slap him. <laughs> right. And then that's the night when he's sitting at his table with a drink. Mm-hmm. And his wife is in the other room. And he's like... And this is how we know that he can't be the character from The French Connection, because that guy did not give a shit whether people lived or died, really. That's true. And this guy is very concerned. He's so upset. And he's like steepling his fingers. And his littlest kid, Mm -hmm. who's maybe four, five, he's so young, is like mimicking him next to him. Like everything he does. He's like doing, but like mm-hmm. he's so small, and so like he crosses his hands in front of him. And when Brody puts his hands on his face, he puts his hands on his face. And Brody doesn't recognize that he's doing it for a while, and then he like, but his wife sees it from the other room. And that's an entirely improvised kind of moment. Yeah, and then he sees him doing it, and he mm-hmm. does a few more of the same motions, and then he starts like sort right. of playing with him. It's very, it's a very sweet scene. I'm just like. He better not die, and also that boy better not die. Uh, neither of them die, so it's pretty good. Uh, and then, oh, and that same night, um, Hooper comes over with wine, and they drink and talk, and they declare or decide that they're going to go out with Quint, and they're taking this boat, this shark down. And Quint is not too fond of Hooper no. to start with. He thinks he's a a pansy boy. I think he is probably a land lover with soft hands, yeah, like a woman's right. hands. From but he money, can, but he can he can uh, he's done a lot of sailing. He mm-hmm. owns this boat, and so yeah, Quint makes him do some knot work. And when he can do knots, he's like, okay, you can come. 
And I'm like, you've got Brody who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing either, so I don't know. I take two people who don't know what they're doing. They go out to sea, and the boat that they're on is called the Orca, mm-hmm. which is very fun. Brody is throwing chum, and then uh, Mr. Jaws. It's not, its name isn't Jaws. Like, that's the thing, like, the shark. His name is Bruce. Well, I mean, the name of the, the mechanical shark is Bruce. It's like the, the shark itself does not have does a name. Does not have a name. We, you, he's always referred to as Jaws, or mm-hmm. she, we, I don't fucking know. Uh, it is always referred to as Jaws, but its name is not Jaws. Mm-hmm. It just has Jaws, as do I, as do you. And Quint was talking about how he caught a 16-footer, and they look at their shark, and, and uh, I think Hooper says, it's got to be 20 feet, and Quint's like 25, and it weighs three tons. Like, it's fucking massive. Right. And they are able to start harpooning it, and they, they attach it to these barrels. And I was trying to fucking figure out this barrel thing for, like, oh, ever. It, so they yeah. attach the barrel, which floats, mm-hmm. to the shark. And so it drags the shark yeah. back up to the surface where they can keep attacking it, I presume? Well, yeah, the thing is it, it, are they they're trying to, they're trying to it? exhaust it. Oh, okay. And he does mention at one point that he's going to drown the shark. Okay. Which is by shooting these harp, the this sort of like a spear gun that yeah. is attached to this cable, goes out with the uh, the barrel attached to it. The barrel's full of air, and it just creates drag. So the shark eventually will get exhausted. Get exhausted, yeah. And it has to a shark, by necessity, has to keep moving. Yeah. Or else it'll die. It'll so die. it's the, like the water needs to the get more drag that you create. It can't go forward, and it, it drowns. Literally drowns. Literally yeah. drowns, which is weird. So you can drown a fish, yeah. but it can um, happen. He he get they get one flotation barrel mm-hmm. on him, and then he disappears. Uh, Brody's like, "So we're going back?" And he's like, "No, we're staying." Well, yeah, he has until a, it comes There's back a very up. famous kind of line: "The shark surfaces for no particularly good reason." And that's one of the things that I can't that kind of ruined the illusion for me. This does not behave at all like a shark. No. And I think that when we watched King Kong, right yeah. years ago, well, years ago it feels like, uh, yeah, maybe it was. It, it was made in 1932, right? So. People had never seen a gorilla. Right. So it didn't matter how When they it saw acted. this film, it's like, oh, this is the way a gorilla behaves. It is not the way a gorilla behaves. We didn't this really see it. This is the same it. thing. Yes, it's the same thing. But People now we didn't know, know that sharks it's... don't poke their heads out of the water and roar at you. They don't roar. <laughs> right? The thing roars, and that is hilarious. <laughs> right. They will come up out of the water uh-huh. because that's the thing. Like at one point, the older boy is sitting in his boat on the dock, but he's not mm-hmm. out in the water. He's just on his, well, he's in the water, on the water. And Brody's like, get out of the, please get out of the water, get out of the water. And his wife's like, she's, he's not going out to the, to the, into the water. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting in his boat. And he shows her a picture of like a boat that's got a chunk right. cut out of, or like bitten out of it. And he, she's like, get out of the boat. <laughs> like, like, no. I'm saying this for a reason. Right. Yeah, so they stay out, and then it gets dark. Mm-hmm. The The buoy doesn't come back, so they're just kicking it. They're drinking, which is definitely a good idea. And then they start talking. This is where they com- start comparing scars. Right, a scene that's been imitated a great many times. Yes. So much less effect. And then uh, the last scar is a scar on um, Quint's arm. Quint's arm. Mm-hmm. And... Hooper, like, kind of mocks what he's like, let me guess, it said mother, because he, he'd gotten mm-hmm. it removed, he was getting it removed, and tattoo removal in the 70s is very different than tattoo removal now, like, 
he may have scraped it off with a fucking cheese grater or something. Knowing like, that's, this guy, yes. Um, and he said it was the USS Indianapolis. And Hooper just gets super serious. He's like, you were on the Indianapolis. Now, he tells a story about what happened on the Indianapolis, which is both accurate and inaccurate. Mm. So the story that he tells, the USS Indianapolis is the boat, the carrier that took the bomb mm. <clears throat> over to uh, where it needed to be launched for uh, on Hiroshima, um, when the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. It was attacked, maybe rightly, sorry, but by two Japanese submarines to the side, and it, it sunk in 12 minutes. There were 1,135 men on the boat. He says 1,100 went into the water. Uh, they didn't. Because the the mission was so secret, because mm. they were carrying an atomic weapon to right. be the, detonated the on the first her. atomic weapon, yeah. right? They didn't get reported missing for a week. So there's all these men in the water, and when the boat went down, a bunch of sharks mm-hmm. came, tiger sharks, and picked the men off uh, as they were in the water for over a week. Now th- that so he says at the end, eleven hundred went in, three hundred and sixteen came out. Mm-hmm. Those numbers are accurate, except mo- there were, 11, as I said, 1,135 men on the ship. The, most of them went down with the ship. Mm. 385 or so went into the water. The sharks came and did binge on the injured and the dead first. And then they started attacking the live survivors. It is considered the biggest shark like the mm-hmm. the the biggest shark attack in in human history certainly um the numbers are fuzzy because there's no really telling how many people died in the right, exactly. okay died in the the sinking of the ship versus you know of hypothermia or drowning because they couldn't you know stay up versus mm-hmm. being actively killed by a shark when they were alive but 316 men came out of the water. The rough estimates are between 60 and 150 men were killed by sharks in the water, which is a lot. <laughs> but So it's the right. numbers are right, just the it wasn't 800 men or 900 men killed by sharks, but only 300 men did come out of the, uh, the Indianapolis. So he was on the Indi- Indianapolis, we, we are told. I don't understand why you would have that removed. Maybe uh, my assumption is he got the tattoo before the ship's like, well, he was mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. It wasn't a memorial tattoo, and he didn't want a memorial tattoo. It was just a little... I was like, why wouldn't you leave that? But maybe also, you don't want people to look at you every time they see your arm. Well, the fact... The, the look on Hooper's face when he hears... Oh, yeah. All the, all the blood yeah. drains out of his face. Like, And, and Brody... We hear the story because Brody doesn't know it. Right. That scene... That line reading, I was like, this dude, you were saying, he's like a legitimate actor. And he, I was is like, he is a, a legitimate Academy actor. Academy Award-winning actor, nominated actor, but he's also a playwright and a novelist. He is a, he was a brilliant man. Yeah. And so this speech is really the most, to me, the most frightening thing that happens in the movie. Yeah. he just lays into it. Yeah. It's, it's a spectacularly written speech. I don't know right. if it comes from the book. It, it, it was written, uh, apparently the speech was written by John Milius. Well, okay, well. Who, you know, wrote, uh, or the director who gave us things like Conan the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. He's a very strange guy. Yeah. But he has a, a real sense of military culture, yeah. martial culture, and 
survival. Yeah. Um, and so he, uh, this speech reflects a lot yeah. of that too. Yeah, and you see why he is the way mm, he is. Right. Like why he's attacking, like why he's sharking, why he does mm-hmm. go after these animals. It's fucking personal. Yeah. And he's getting vindication maybe. Not and necessarily revenge, but like kind of revenge though. It's a great moment because you really, I think Robert Shaw as an actor really sort of pulls out all the stops in this in mm. this monologue. This yeah. is a man who worked with Harold Pinter. This is a man, yeah. you know, on stage he was a he's a brilliant actor, but this is just like, oh, shit, for people who never got to see him right. do his performances well, on because, stage. And he's able to do it at the right size. Mm-hmm. He's in a he's in the cabin of a tiny boat. Like, right. It's not a super tiny boat, but it's a tiny boat. Um, so he's not... He's not aiming at the backstage. He's right. aiming at Roy Scheider, who's two feet, three feet away from him. And so, yeah, as the audience, you feel like he's leaning in, yeah. literally, to tell you. But it's you. not too much. Right. It's it's a really, really good scene. Um, was it the first time? Yeah, it was right when he comes up, there's that fucking pull in mm-hmm. to Roy Scheider's face with the cigarette in his mouth, right. and he like backs up, and he's like, you're going to need a bigger boat. That's right. the famous line. To me... The better thing about that line is that he keeps asking, right. so we're going to get a bigger boat, right? Well, like, there's a, there's I a, wasn't being hyperbolic. Right. You need a bigger boat. There's a boat. very funny scene uh, when they're, uh, I think it might be the next day, when they're trying desperately to dra- create drag on this fish. Yeah. And the fish is so fucking strong, it just keeps diving. And they end up, mm-hmm. he ends up with three barrels in him. Right. And Quint's like, it can't be doing And that's this. when him and Hooper, you can see them getting frightened because they've never seen a fish do this before. Yeah. But there's a really funny bit that apparently also was improvised. Because the, the suggestion is that about 25% of this script contains scenes that weren't in the book. Oh, interesting. And a great deal of this was having these three really good actors be good actors just together on this boat. interact together yeah. on this boat and and um one of the scenes is matt hooper's trying to get a picture of the shark yeah and that was hysterical and he's like go to the end of the pulpit because there's the, uh, the pulpit's on the prow and he wants him to go he wants brody to go up there who is terrified of the water right. <laughs> at this point though i think he stopped wearing his uh life vest which right. you don't Put that shit on. What are you doing? But he's like, Cooper's yelling at him, get in the, get, get in the pulpit. No, why? Why? Because the shark is visible <laughs> right. and coming at them. Right. And yeah, Hooper wants to show, like, for scale. Fuck off. Dude. And he's really, here at Roy Schneider, completely abandoned the tough guy thing. That he's, he's got really good such for. a good face. It's like, why? Why? Like, because I need scale. Why? <laughs> I mean, he looks... Terrified, and, and when you also, consider <laughs> when you consider that this these these actors are surrounded by an entire crew and basically can see the tow line, he's really investing this shark, yeah, with all sorts of real terror for him. Yeah, going, yeah, you must have reached way back in there. Yeah, so yeah, because right it's after that convincing. sort of story time, mm-hmm. the shark rams the boat, right, and breaks the hull, and mm-hmm. they're taking on water. Um, and the engines go out. So right. they're like fixing the engines. Salt water gets inside the engine. Yeah. Right? And so they're trying to fix the engines. The shark comes around again. They shoot it two more times mm. with these harpoons. And they've got these. Now they're basically. It's like when a dog gets wrapped up in its leash. Like right. it's, they, it's going under the boat. So it's wrapping around. There's these things called cleats at the front right. of the boat. Which I don't like. 
you're supposed to tie them there so that they get... I think the idea is to sort of shorten its leash so that it can't go anywhere. Right. But it's so strong, it's it's towing this boat. Like, yes. it's basically towing. It's, it's not just basically, it's pulling towing out the, the cleats, boat. too. It's pulling out the cleats, but it's also dragging the mm -hmm. boat, which fucks up. The boat can't handle this. Right. The boat is going to break up. Um, Brady has, Brody has tried to call the Coast Guard for help, and Quint loses his fucking mind and breaks the radio because he's, it's, right. he's in his Moby Dick moment. He is Ahab 100% at this point because mm -hmm. he's like, this is mine, and everybody else can fuck off, including the two men that are sitting here that are going right. to die, which is why I think it's such bullshit that he... Anyways. So... The cleats break off. The barrels are attached to the shark. Quint's like, "Okay, we're gonna go back to the shore. We're gonna drive. We're gonna." He's chasing them. The shark mm -hmm. is basically following them, so he's going to lead them back into where the people are, and maybe beach it, whatever. But mm -hmm. Quint starts like he just full throttles the boat, and the boat cannot take it, and the boat dies, and then, um. The boat is sinking. The boat sinks. This boat sinks, you guys, and it's but so scary. We should mention also there's there's a scene before this where Hooper gets into the water in a shark cage. Oh, that's right. Before it completely sinks. Right? That's right. He gets, he has put a shark cage on the boat, which I guess in 1975 nobody would know what the fuck that was. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Matt Hooper, a, master of the bad decision. Once it again. is a prototype, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's like these kind of pontoons on the top of it to keep it floating. Um, Which you don't want to do, actually. Right. You and want his, it to his idea is that he's going to get this harpoon thing and stick, stick the, it in the eye or the mouth when it gets close enough. With a drug. Right. It's a sedative. Uh, I don't think they want to kill it, but if they drug it and it mm. sinks to the bottom, it's going to die. Well, right? yes, with, especially with the, the, uh, the barrels attached. Right. So... He gets in this thing, which... <laughs> When we were watching, I was like, this is, he's, it's like a carnival ride. Right. Because it, he brought it in pieces, and then they put it together. Yes, there's a, an A-team type scene where, you know, the, they're just like screwing shit together. Playing over like, these guys, putting this cage together. If ever, mm -hmm. I go in a shark cage, I can't guarantee whether I would or wouldn't, I don't know, it's a mm -hmm. sort of a... That shark cage needs to be fully intact on the boat when I get on the boat. Like, it needs to be a whole thing right. that doesn't get taken apart and put together by carnies. What the fuck is going on? Uh, yeah, he gets in there, and then the, the shark um, destroys the shark <laughs> cage. He Like, immediately he drops the... Um, he drops the harpoon. He drops the, the, the harpoon, the, 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 the harpoon the, uh, spear that he's right. got with the drug. And the... The shark destroys the shark cage, mm -hmm. and Hooper swims down. He's got air on him because mm -hmm. he brought compressed air, which earlier we found out if you fuck with, it will explode. Chekhov's uh, compressed air. Chekhov's compressed air. I thought that was a Chekhov's machete because at one point Quint puts a machete. Yeah, and he does. The side of the he boat. uses the machete when he cuts uh, the lines That's at right. one point. So yeah, th there was a purpose for that. Um, and then. And and so Hooper's underwater, and that nobody in the, uh, people. Mm -hmm. I think both of them assume he has died. Right. Uh, the boat is sinking. The back of it is sinking because, of course, it is. And the shark jumps up onto the boat and eats Quint, and it's, it sucks. Dude. It yes, sucks. it does. I'm Quint like, was my favorite character, aside from 
really, it's Brody, but Clint. Clint was such a... He didn't deserve... Especially didn't. after we saw that fucking monologue. Right. And then he gets straight up nommed to death by the shark, and it sucks. Yeah. Uh, and then at that point, of course, Brody, like um, Father Karras from the last movie, is like, oh shit, the person who knows what to do right. is dead. <laughs> what do I do? And you know what he can't do? Invite the shark into his body. So he's got to figure something else out. He does. He throws the, of course, he throws the the air tank mm-hmm. into the shark's mouth. And then I thought he was going to try and use his revolver because he'd shot, he's got, he's a cop. First of all, he, he pulled out a gun and started shooting at the shark like two, three, right. four scenes earlier. And I was like, why does he have a gun? Not like, realizing oh, a shark he's is, a police officer. is a weirdly spongy kind of yeah. animal. And so. It's like, but super thick right. skin, right? And so, yeah, it's not, unless you shoot it in the eye, it's not going to work. But so, but there's a rifle. Mm-hmm. So he goes up. He then he finally he gets on the pulpit. No, it's he. No, he climbs the mast. The mast, which is sinking. The whole thing is sinking. The front goes up. It's a whole thing, and I hate that shit. I hate it so much. You guys, you should never see the bottom of a boat. Something has gone terribly wrong. If you see the bottom of a boat, I'm just saying. And uh, but he does get on that mast, and he does shoot that. Uh, air tank it takes him like four shots mm-hmm. which i actually appreciated i'm like this motherfucker is afraid of water he's on a sinking boat and there's a giant shark that has just killed a man in front of him and then several other people right he's not gonna make that first shot like there's no way but he does make the shot finally and then that thing fucking explodes i was like i knew it was i knew how it ended right like right. you know how it ends but that explosion is something else. I was just like, fuck, half of that shark is destroyed. I like the idea that this is the first of the tough guy, smiley son of a bitch. That's his line right before yeah. he shoots it. And I'm going, this is Ripley, you know, get away from her, you bitch. You bitch which yeah. is the beginning of that whole kind yeah. of, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator, you're one ugly motherfucker. Like, that, I've got to be, this is his tough I guy have line. to be a badass right, right now, because if I'm not a badass and it's, right it's now, more, I'm It means bad. a lot more when you see this guy who's just been in abject terror throughout the entire film kind of pull it out of his head. Yeah, and he does shoot him, and then he, like, is celebrating. Right. And then he's like, well, just looking, looking, and then Matt comes back up, bloop. Hey, and Brody's like, "Oh, hey, you didn't die. Awesome!" And he's like, "Quit!" And like, yeah. kind of smiling, he's like, "No." That's all he says, "No." And I'm just right. like, "Woof!" And then the two of them get on a stick and, and right, just kick between two of the barrels down. now yeah. because they float and they just kick back to shore. Right, and that's it. Like they just go into the sunset <laughs> towards the shore. Uh, he asks what day it is. I think they say, "I think it's Tuesday." He's like, oh, I think the tides are with us. <laughs> Just keep kicking. Right. <laughs> like, and so it takes them so, hours, I'm sure. What did you think of it? It was super fun. I can see why, in retrospect, Steven Spielberg has had this long career now. For sure. I like the fact that, well, one of the things that, that, that is ridiculous is the fact that the shark keeps roaring. Um, that is so it funny. Just it, like a shark it just pops up and it's like, rah! Uh, we, we recently saw... Gojira minus one, right? And there's talk about how like there's references to Jaws in that movie. Yeah. Funny part is Steven Spielberg admitted that the original Godzilla 
had a huge influence on I'm him. Sure. Not just in Jurassic Park, but I find it funny that the scenes with Godzilla in the first film influenced him to make Jaws, which then influenced the remake, essentially that same movie years yeah. and years later. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're, you're seeing a through line here. But uh, that's probably why the shark is roaring at times. Yeah. It's just so funny, though. Because, I mean, in 1975, that's right. just a scary thing. I would believe well, it. But now, and it didn't even actually, like a minute after it happened, I was uh, like, wait a minute, did the shark just roar? But like in the minute, I was like, yeah, that thing, uh, that's right. Right, and so he's effectively <laughs> turning it into a sea monster. It's yeah. not necessarily like a shark. Yeah. Um, but he talked about how his influences were films like the creature from the Black Lagoon and right. stuff like that. He really thought that to or it, the terror from beyond space that we talked about a few weeks mm. ago, when we talked about Alien, which is if your monster is not working, then just go with suggestion. Right, and that's the thing about this movie too is they thought they were going to have a thing and they didn't have a thing. Right. So they're like, how do you? There is this, yeah. There's a, a shot where the shark just you just see it going kind of sideways mm-hmm. under the water. Yeah. It's very effective. That was the, the scene where it, that takes place in the uh, pond when it takes down that one guy in the boat. And that was, to me, I, I pointed that out to you, I think that's the most effective shot of the shark in the movie. I think the the one that is also really effective is the one that we mentioned, which is when its head comes inside the cabin of yeah. the ship. Which, uh-uh. Because then you get a real sense of how big it big is. Big it is, yeah. And how close it is and how much danger this guy is in now. Yeah. I do agree that uh, I really feel bad about Quint, though. That that it was feels, messed up. It feels shitty. Like he's been through so much. Really, you're gonna take him out like that? I'm like, would it have been better if he like died of a heart attack? No, no, there wasn't a great way to have him go out. He and... could have lost an arm, right? Maybe the arm with the USS Indianapolis. That would have been uh, seen. thing on it. There you go. You're thinking. Look at that. I you're, win. You're I improving. made the best. <laughs> Because um, it just was sad after, like, as you're saying, given everything that he's been through already, this is how he goes out yeah. with a freaking shark, on, uh, you know, eating him. I was reading how uh, the film originally was going to be handed off to John Sturgis, who is a really good director who did The Magnificent Seven, I think. That would have been interesting. And because he was really good at male camaraderie. That's mm. one of the things he does really well. I think this is a very good... Right. Spielberg did a good job with that. So in that case, he asked for a screenwriter to work with him. And the screenwriter, the reason why that screenwriter got fired from the film was that he kept calling the the shark a whale. Mm, That's a mammal. Right. And so they they just, they they got so sick of hearing him call it the whale that they just fired him. (laughs) Which is funny. I mean, in a way, I feel sorry for the guy losing a job and all. But that's about the amount of ignorance as to exactly what a shark was or what a shark did. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's good. It's yeah. really good. Like it's, we were talking last week, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not putting on The Exorcist. Like, I'm right. not going to just chill, chill at night and watch The Exorcist. I would fully watch this movie again. Mm. Like, it's really fun, right. and sc- it is scary. And you are pretty sure, and the music is like fucking iconic mm-hmm. across all of its releases. It it grows. Four hundred seventy-six million, adjusted for inflation, that's almost two billion dollars at twenty eleven yeah. prices, and it's uh, the second most successful franchise film after Star Wars. That's probably not still true, though. I would guess that Harry Potter, Harry Potter, you, or Lord of the Rings, or Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. it it got four mm-hmm. stars from Ebert. It got like 
like the critical consensus was very yeah. high, which I think is very interesting because this is a genre film. Mm-hmm. Like it just straight up is. Right. Maybe before this was a genre, so people didn't understand. Well, I mean, it was a genre to, to Spielberg because he sat watching It Conquered the World and all these other films, right? Yeah. And Gojira. So he's watching. He. I don't want to say it any way that he's elevating films like that. What he did is that he made them popular for the mass public. Yeah. Somebody who's not going to sit through a foreign language movie about a giant atomic-powered dinosaur is going to sit and watch this movie about a shark with actors they recognize yeah. and a setting they recognize. Yeah. So I think that what he did was he he really... It's the same thing that Stephen, excuse me, George Lucas did with Star Wars, where yeah. he just science fiction suddenly becomes something that everyone wants to go see right. as opposed to and people who are is, into it. Is this the first summer blockbuster? Um, the debate would be whether this or The Exorcist was. I think the that... The Exorcist came out in December. Right. So if we're talking about summer blockbuster, mm-hmm. this came summer out Summer blockbuster, June. yes. Okay. Um, I can see it that way. I think that it also had the effect that The Exorcist, like you're saying, it's not a movie you go back to often. No. Because it's People just, are going to see this in the re-release even right. though they saw it in the original. Right. This is very... Hard, the Exorcist was a hardcore movie yeah. that's hard to watch. I feel like if they release this movie again, and I'm sure mm-hmm. that they will, I'd watch this movie in theaters. Oh, yeah. It, for sure. It must be a different experience in the theater. For sure. I, I don't know how well the shark will hold up. It's, it's all right. I'll make my eyes go fuzzy when the shark gets that, fully it's, it's a pity. There's one, it, for the most part, he does a really good job with keeping the shark up until the very end, edited much uh, a great deal out of the film. There is something to be said for the fact that we have there are does literally dozens of documentaries about how this movie mm-hmm. was made and the concessions that had to be made because right. because the, the filmmakers saw what the fuck was happening and weren't like no it's gonna be fine. Yeah. <laughs> they were like oh no. Well, yeah. <laughs> but the uh, the there's one shot I would have taken out which is when the shark first breaches the water and jumps on the boat, where it very obviously is like, oh no, that's <laughs> not going to work. <laughs> they might probably were like, it's it's short and it's quick right. enough, right? And it's, it's gonna, it was that thing that, you know, because this film also inspired a bunch of Nature Strikes Back films. That was right. a whole genre. Right. And oddly, it also inspired Dino De Laurentiis to do King Kong, um, the remake of King Kong. And when he did, he similarly thought, I'm going to build off the hype from this and do a giant mechanical full-size gorilla that is going to work, and it also did not work at all. And it wound up in the film for about less than a minute. Damn. And it was a million-dollar prop. That's rough. It was just a a huge pity because they did did not give the, the, the effects people enough time. To, to put this together, they're making all these promises to the press. Oh, it will take huge... It'll walk by itself. It'll do all this other stuff. And Carlo Rimbaldi is like, what? Wait, you told them what? Yeah. So this one, uh, three Academy Awards, mm-hmm. film editing, uh, score, and sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture, but it lost to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That seems sorry. Uh, Spielberg was mad that he was not <laughs> nominated for director. Dude, it's fine. You're gonna get a whole bunch of well, them. Well, but at Don't the time, remember, he was a he, he was under thirty. He was he like was also a television director before he did this, and so he'd only directed one other film, I think, uh, with uh, sort of like a Sugarland Express. I think that was uh, the film that he directed before this. That was theatrical. I don't remember. I yeah. I was looking, but I didn't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
So the score also won a Grammy, a BAFTA, and a Golden Globe. I can yeah, like, I can imagine why. The score is mm-hmm. iconic. Uh, it won, like, favorite movie of the people's choice. It won a bunch of sounds. Like, the sound in it is very mm-hmm. good. Uh, the Writers Guild nominated Benchley um, and Carl Gottlieb's script for adapted drama. And then we see it's mm-hmm. number two on the AFI Thrills list. Where did the... Oh, um... It's number so there's a Bravo Network um, thing that we have talked about before. It's the hundred scariest mo- movie moments. Mm-hmm. They did it in 2008, and uh, it's a five hour thing, and mm-hmm. they re air it every once in a while. I wish they'd update it, but this is the number one. Really? Yeah, uh, this is the number one. Empire Magazine placed Quinn at number fifty on the hundred greatest movies of all time, sixth on the hundred years of film scores. Uh, 35th on a list of 100 movie quotes for the You're Gonna Need a Bigger Boat. As I say, the Mm -hmm. better is the callback like two minutes later where he's like, you're gonna get a bigger boat, right? (laughs) And I'm like, that's the line. That is the what makes it funny. The shark is number 18 on the best villains list. Y'all. We need to talk about what makes a villain. Well, This is like when they touted that serial killer movie in Africa and it was a it was a crocodile right and I'm like that's not a serial killer it's not doing this um, out of some sort of sense uh, or some longing or uh, uncontrollable desire it's just hungry that's yeah. all. it's just hungry and y'all are food because you're in its house uh, yeah not a serial killer mm-hmm. I wouldn't I would argue that this is not a villain in this movie apparently later movies, the sharks like the, gang up and get revenge on the families. I saw the second one of these movies, and I, I remember that uh, the first time I saw Steven Spielberg interviewed, he was uh, interviewed by Dick Cavett uh, r- right before Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they talked about Jaws the entire time. That's funny. Mostly because Dick Cavett actually, I believe, was coming by on a yacht. He was on, a, and he passed by the crew of all these these people working on you know off the Martha's Vineyard, because the water was really shallow. It's uh-huh. very shallow for quite a ways out, and so they were able to get the boat to sink properly and whatever without right. it dropping you know right. to dangerous or perilous depths. It was thirty five feet. That's about as far as it can sink. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Cabot mentioned, oh yeah, I saw you guys out those boats. So I thought, should I wave? So he just waved. <laughs> Well, they're all suffering on these boats. Um, but uh, the sequel, when Spielberg was asked, what would he do differently on the sequel that they didn't do that cost them twice as much? He said, I would have filmed it in a tank and forget going out in the water. I mean, that was really authentic, but it was such a pain because yeah. they literally, they, they, I'm going to stop using the word literally, they suffered. So many issues from actors getting seasick, from camera right. people getting seasick, from the shark not working. If he had done it in a tank, they could have handled a lot of those circumstances um, better. Yeah, yeah. But the sequel is the the shark is like is just a full on monster. It yeah, eats a helicopter at one point. Oh my god! <laughs> it's electrocuted at the end. It bites That's an right. undersea cable and like. That's right. That's then, the electrocution one. The third film, it becomes a 3D shark. Yes, Jaws 3D. And Jaws 2 is the revenge, right? right. And then there is like a... There's a fourth one, The too, fourth one happens years and years later, and the only character left is Lorraine Gary, 
And, That's Mrs. Brody. Right. And she, uh, she, uh, her husband's passed on from a heart attack because of a shark, and it might be part of a voodoo curse. At that point, it's gone oh my God. completely off the rails. Uh, Why? And the shark is killed by dropping an airplane on it. Um, so, maybe, so is this the first... It's awful. Uh, forced franchise? Like, you don't have any ideas. You're just going to make money off of this name? Uh, probably, yeah. Wow. It would just made too much money not to... No, incorrect. Well, I don't know. I just want new things. I don't want the same thing, but worse. Right. Like, like, don't well, remember, the there was an exorcist, too. Um, what did I just say? Right. Don't there is the same so, but, thing, but worse. There are, there, are, right. there are franchises that I enjoy every one of. Mm-hmm. Not, not necessarily things that are like based on a trilogy of right. books or whatever. The John Wick series, is it's all mm-hmm. good. They grow on each other. They reference back to the stuff that's already happened. Right. The fact that it's like all, all in a row yeah. <laughs> um, helps. But these other things where it's just like, you know, we're going to put it in space or whatever. <laughs> like, I, why? What is it? Fast and the Furious in space? They're, they're... Yeah, I haven't watched the latest one. I've heard it's not very good. That's, I like... That's surprising. I, those, those movies are fun generally, but yeah, it goes from their street gang mm-hmm. and an undercover cop to their superheroes and they are a special contingent of the government. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> because of their skill with cars. I'm sorry, what? The, um, <laughs> the God, who was it? Hal Needham, who was a stuntman and he directed um, some of the Burt Reynolds very stunt-oriented movies like Hooper in the 70s and 80s. Uh, he was being interviewed um, by Terry Gross, as a matter of fact. Ugh. Sorry. And, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. She, I don't, I'm not a fan. That name is less a name, more of a label at times. But uh, That's woof. <laughs> she, she, well, <laughs> That's fine. Go ahead. I've seen her go after people, or heard her go after people. Um, but he mentioned... When she asked him about how he feels about modern films, he goes, "They're not doing stunts anymore. They're it's done with screens." He said he he mentioned a Fast and the Furious film where the a car goes over a bridge and the two men climb over the yes. car dropping uh-huh. on the hood of the car. Yep, and exchange looks as he's like, "This is so stupid. It's, it <laughs> it's is idiotic. Deeply stupid. You know, they're falling two hundred feet and they're just sort of like creeping over the hood of the car and they spring at the last minute into." And that that that's impossible. Yep. And the audience that's is why just it's asked in to a buy movie. It. Right. Because when you walk into a movie like that, mm-hmm. you put all of your all of your disbelief. Right. You hang it from the ceiling, so suspended. See, but again, <laughs> like on a meat hook, like you can't even right. reach it. I can buy amazing things in movies, right? I can buy a giant atomic powered dinosaur, but. Falling from a car and just sort of from a moving car, just I know. crawling out onto the hood of the car, then leaping out just before that. It's just just before it hits water. Right. So I'm on board. I'm like, I'm so yeah, I can't. That's that's I can't take it that far. <sighs> I can sometimes. Sometimes I'm just like, guys, reel it back in. Like somebody say no to the diesel, please. All right, so that's Jaws. We watched Jaws. We have one more film 
and it's Psycho. Yep. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> so. It's a very good film. I don't think it's fun the way that Jaws is. Fun. But it is very suspenseful, I guess. I mean, they uh, say, the I, if I'm that's what they mean it. by thriller, right. then okay. Once again, can I get a de- definition of terms? Uh, apparently, no, the fuck I can't. So, next week, Psycho. Psycho. We re- recorded it off of TCM. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it is available. Until then, do you want to recommend anything? Yes, I saw a film. We saw a film. You, I, and our roommates saw a movie all together called Leave the World Behind. Um, it is a weird film. Is it? It's very strange because you're never quite sure what's happening or why it's happening. And even the very end, you get a summation of what has happened, but not a motivation or an idea about what's actually going on. Well, okay. Right. <laughs> I don't want to... Yeah, we don't want to spoil it. You don't want to spoil it because you should go into the movie knowing as little as possible. Which is what I did. I saw part of a trailer and then gave up and said, no, I want to see the rest of this film. And please don't listen to Fox News. Just... Oh, are they... I mean, don't listen to Fox Fox News. Period. Period. That is... But no, they are complaining about a specific thing because this movie was produced by the Obama's Mm -hmm. production company. They're complaining about a specific anti-whiteness, wokeness uh, situation in the movie, taken completely out of context, bitched about by no less than six of really? their um, of their hosts. That. Yeah, I'm curious. All of which admitted to not having seen the film. So let's right. not, right? Like yeah. it's it's ridiculous on its face. As well, here's in, the it's on Fox thing. News. So. If a movie is going to offend you like that, just don't watch it because. There's films that I don't watch because I'm like, I don't want to I see that. I don't want that. to see that. It was The Exorcist up until that right. and, and you know what? That was a very well-made film. Now I can say I've seen it. Check. I don't need to see there it again. There are movies that I will not right. watch because I cannot unsee them. Am I ever going to watch a Human Centipede movie? No. No, I am not. No. I, I'm all set. Thanks. Yes, but I don't have to say that this film is the fall of Western civilization no. because... I'm actually very glad uh, that that filmmaker gets to make the movies he wants to make, right. and that the people who want to watch those movies get to watch those movies. And, and you know what I them. can do? <laughs> I can change the channel. Right. I cannot put it I'm in my I'm not sure DVD why player. you want it, but it's okay. Because it you doesn't know matter. It's not um, for me, and that's fine. De gustibus non est disputandum. There's no arguing about tastes. Nope. So it's uh, gustibus? Maybe. Anyhow. The idea is that you don't have to, if you don't want to watch it, don't watch don't. it. don't. This film is really well acted. And yes, it's, it is. It is, has a great deal of tension. The because, cast is fantastic. Yes, it is. The cast is amazing, uh, including Maharsha Ali from Oakland, We California. love him. Ethan um, Hawke, Julie he, Roberts, and Kevin Bacon. are the Those are the big names. Right. But it's and also Ethan basically Hawk, just that. God bless him. Just... Working away, he, he's. I like him better the older he gets. Right, but I mean, he's a guy who started as a child actor. Yeah. And instead of falling by the wayside or whatever, he just kept pushing yeah. along. And even if he didn't get big leading man parts, he was always trying to choose an interesting project. Interesting, yeah. And he I did a just lot of producing and pushing, yeah. right? And so I appreciate him just going. You know what? You you've done it now. You've reached this point where. No one's going to say you're a huge star, but, no, but you're he a can get, hell of a good actor. He can, he can 
get right. a movie made, though. Yeah, he can. And I think, but what I mean to say is that, uh, is that the generation of actors he came from, there's star names that you yeah. can remember, but this guy really just plugged away at it. Yeah. He never, and he never mm-hmm. went anywhere. No. There's not, a, like, a five-year stretch where no. you're going to not see... And he's, he's working with Alfonso coming. Cuaron, he's yeah. working with all these other directors, because he's being selective about the projects yeah. he's, he's doing. So I respect him for that. But this film, it's very tense because it's, I mean, there's no, it's not a giveaway to say it's an apocalyptic film. Yeah. But what causes the apocalypse and why you have... And, and how it's happening right. and whether it's really happening or whether it's in people's minds. Like, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's very interesting. It has this, uh, it was the same thing to re- refer back to Gojira again, the, the most recent one. That worked really well. Was take it from the level of the people who have no idea what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, so what is uh, what do you recommend? I'm gonna also recommend a Netflix film. I mm-hmm. think it's weird that it's a Netflix film. Probably my favorite living director is David Fincher. David Fincher is a director who, when he makes a movie, I want to see it. I have not seen. I haven't seen Mank, but other than that, I've seen all of his movies. His latest one is called The Killer. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix. It stars Michael Fassbender who's an assassin. He's the titular killer. Mm. Uh, I won't go into too much of what the movie is. What I will say is, because it sort of surprised me, and I don't know if I would have wanted to know it before the movie or not. This movie is told probably 95% in voiceover. Mm. And I've never seen a movie that did that, and certainly not effectively. Right. Uh and it really is an effective thing. I realized like twenty minutes and I'm like, shit, this whole thing basically has been voiceover. It's Michael Fassbender. So it's an internal internal excuse me, eternal <laughs> internal dialogue. Yes. Or monologue. Monologue, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um but it's like it moves along at a pace. It's I wouldn't say it's plotting. It's deliberate in its pacing, which I think is true about all mm. of Fincher's movies. It's dark as per usual. <laughs> it's, it's got a great score. Trent Reznor um, and Atticus Finch did the score for this one as well. They, I'm pretty sure that that's who Fincher is going to have doing his scores forever. Okay. I'm behind on all my podcasts because I was listening to audiobooks. A blank check, I guess, just wrapped up their David Fincher series. So I've been re-watching some of his movies because I was like oh right I really like the movie I rewatched Zodiac recently that movie's fucking fantastic mm-hmm. I have saved Social Network because I want to rewatch that one because I remember thinking that movie was fucking mm-hmm. fantastic uh, I want to rewatch Girl with the Dragon Tattoo I know people don't like it I love well that trailer I, too is like a mess. I don't I, I don't have any I never read the books right but, yeah I did but you're judging the films uh, judging yeah. a film on its own merits and um, it, I actually really liked, I yeah. liked the cast. Yeah. It's I an th- interesting cast, right. especially because I've seen, I've only seen the first of the Swedish mer- mm-hmm. movies, uh, which I don't know that you needed to read. Like, I think Numi Rapace mm-hmm. is very, very good in those movies, but she's right. very, very good. I was glad to see her in, I hate that she has to come to America to get fil- good film roles or mm-hmm. that we will see, but I'm glad that she was here doing it. She wasn't getting great film roles either i like her in the prometheus movies uh there's a really good film that she did uh sort of a neo-noir uh with tom hardy and james gandolfini called the drop did i see that movie 
Oh, it's based on a Dennis Lehane. Right. So, yeah, it's probably going to be good. He, has, he is serious. Yeah, so I really liked David Fincher. I thought this movie was really, really good. Uh, I was. It was late at night, and the movie is, as I say, deliberately paced. But mm-hmm. I stayed awake for the whole thing. Yeah. I didn't like. It didn't put me to sleep in any way. Uh, Fassbender's great, uh, as per usual. I really like him as an actor as well. So I do recommend that movie. It is also on Netflix. It is probably not going anywhere for a while. Uh, I think this is probably the last Fincher movie that is going to be done with Netflix, which I haven't seen Mank. I should watch Mank. Mm. Uh, But those are the two that he did with Netflix, and I am ready to see a a Fincher movie in the theater again. All right. So that's my recommendation. I also recommend that you all watch Psycho so that we can talk about it together next week. And that would make me happy. So do that. If you have questions or comments or concerns or ideas for us, uh, you can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook. Or, you know, you probably have our phone number so you can shoot us a text. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, we are going to probably take a little bit of a break after next week's episode. Maybe one or two weeks, I'll we'll be clearer next week. And then we're going to come back with a, a brief little interstitial, and then we're going to try and figure out what we're going to do next. Mm. So, mm-hmm. But I think we're going to give us give us a little bit. Of, we've done 100 episodes in a row, and you had surgery during that time. Right. So we're going to maybe take a breather for a second, uh, come back like come back with an interstitial, and then figure out what we're going to do next. So that that's upcoming next week. As we go to number one, the most thrilling movie, American film of all time, Psycho. Until then, I want to remind you to please take your medicines. And we want to remind you, better late than never. never.